Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey Blackburn and joining me, we have a guest co-host, my hey lovely wife, Christy Blackburn. Yes. And we have two more guests. Gosh, you're looking gorgeous, babe. Well, thank you. Gorgeous. We do have two more guests. We have Weston and Natalia sitting here. Weston, you want to say hi? Hi. Natalia. Hi, you want to say hi? <laughs> We're so excited to join you guys as a family. Um, have a lot of things we want to talk about. It's been fun. The, the past couple of days, hanging out together as a family. And uh, babe, we had some uh, plumbers come over. Oh, my word. So <laughs> We thought our audience would get a kick out of this. Yes. Had some plumbers come over this past week, uh, fixing just several things around our house, drains and the bathtubs and because, you know, all kinds of hair and stuff that gets in there with all these kids taking baths and uh, toilets and stuff. And, and I'm sitting on the couch as our plumbers are walking at the steps, babe. I told you this is the most mortifying thing in the world. Yeah. And Weston goes, who are those guys? And I said, well, they're the, they're the plumbers. And he goes, they're both fat. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. Says that out loud while they're walking up the steps in full earshot of them. And I am mortified. I'm like, Weston, you do not say that right there. It's just ridiculous. I'm just surprised they didn't say anything or turn back and laugh or anything. They just kind of like nonchalantly just walked up to the stairs and walked into I'm the bathroom. that means they didn't hear that. I hope so too. All that is to say is that you guys know if you have a family... Uh, you are sometimes put in awkward situations because of what your kids say. So we are very nervous right now and yes. having these kids on the podcast, even as Natalia is laughing in the background. It's, uh, it's great. But so I kind of want to give them the floor for yes, a second and just let them say whatever they want to say and hopefully it goes well. We'll see what happens out of this. Maybe there's some bloopers coming out of this one right here. All right. Did you want to say anything, Weston or Natalia? You want to say, what do you want to say? What is your favorite kind of food to eat? Quesadilla and pizza. Ooh, that's so healthy. Quesadillas Quesadilla and pizza. And pizza. Uh, what about? Go ahead, Natalia. I like um, uh, pizza and. <laughs> um, what else? I'm trying to think what it is. Do you guys like any vegetables? I mean tostada. Oh, Tost you like tostada? Tostada. Not, not just tostadas, broccoli. but tostadas. <laughs> broccoli. Ooh, you like some broccoli? What other vegetables do you guys like? I like um, pineapple. Ooh, Ooh, that's a great vegetable. I like um, strawberries. Strawberries. Strawberry. Do you guys have any stories that you want to tell our, our listeners? We got a lot of people listening right now. Do you have any stories you want to tell? Mm, you mean about like dreams? Um. Maybe. Do you have a lot of dreams, Natalia? Yeah, bad dreams. Uh-oh. Well, let's not tell any bad dreams. Do you have I'm any good dreams? I don't have anyone. Okay. Weston, do you have a story you want to tell? Mm. No. You guys got a little bit shy Man, as soon wow. as we turned the, turned the microphone on. Yeah, they're not on. talking now, but they've been yeah. talking my ear off all day today. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Why don't you talk in the microphone and tell us your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert is ice cream with the ice cone. Ice cream with oh, the cone. Wow. That's so good. Weston? Chocolate ice cream with a cone. Ooh, anything That's chocolate, I think great. you guys are, are just all about. 
all about. Well, all right, kiddos, we're going to talk for a little bit, so you guys got to be really quiet right now, okay? But we wanted to bring our family on because our family just has just walked through, or we're walking through right now. Weston, we're going to have to be quiet, okay, buddy? We, we are right now walking through a, um, a big transition as a family, a really big transition. Just announced it to our church um, where we, yeah. this past Sunday, announced that we are stepping down as the leaders of Resonate Church. And um, a lot of mixed emotion in that, for sure. For sure. And, but I wanted to bring Christy on and uh, just let you talk a little bit about that and see uh, how are you feeling with this? What's what's going on in, in your head? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, I mean, we we shared it in our blog post. So you guys can go on davyblackburn.com or nothingiswasted.com and check that out. But mm-hmm. um, it, it, just especially the details behind it. But I think obviously with these kind of decisions, they're not made lightly. It's very heavy. It's very weighty. Um, talking a lot of hours um, with a lot of people just getting advice of what are next steps for the Blackburn family. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing for us is even when we got married, we had a lot of senior leaders um, and their wives just give us advice and counsel saying, this is going to be a really hard year for you yeah. guys to navigate blending a family, um, marriage. Doing all the things you're doing right yes, now. Yes, PA Lots of school. Ministry fronts. Everything. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, like we're going to white knuckle <laughs> our way through this. We're going to do it. Like we are here at Resonate. Um, and so we felt strongly like we would retire at Resonate, be yeah. there the rest of our lives. When I married Davey, I married Resonate, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in time, God made it very clear that he was per kind of just getting us out of that, which yeah. it's, it's heavy. Um, but we feel a peace about it. Yeah. Yeah. There was just a series of conversations that made it very clear that God was calling us to step in a new direction. And that direction is to build out nothing is wasted as a full fledged ministry. And it was going to take our full time attention. And uh, so we, we highlight all that on the, on the blog post. You can go and read that letter that I read to our church. And uh, Sunday was a very a heart-wrenching situation just in the sense of um, a lot of reasons, getting to, to hear from people who we've been pastoring and, and um, cry tears with them. And, um, but it was really cool to see how supportive everybody was. Oh, yeah. It means the world to us uh, that we have that kind of a church family that would support us as we're stepping out into this new faith venture. I mean, they cried with us, they prayed yeah. with us, they supported us, affirmed our decision. And even just like the Nothing Was Wasted community as well, yeah. when we put the blog post out there, many of you reached out to yeah. us through email or thank through you. DM and um, just thanking us, well, just actually just supporting us and just thanking us for even uh, having this calling right. and and pursue, having the courage to pursue the calling yeah, too. So, so we don't take that lightly. We really do appreciate that. We, we, we want to thank you guys so much for that, all the support and love that you've poured out. And what that means is that we're going to um, we're going to be unfolding a lot over the next couple months. We're going to be rolling yep. out a ton when it comes to nothing is wasted. And so we want to kind of uh, whet your appetite a little bit for some of the things that we're going to be doing. Obviously, part of this, this new calling into ministry, um, I guess the tip of the spear is kind of what we've been saying is, is uh, traveling and speaking, hoping that God opens up doors of opportunity for us to come and share our story and encourage other people at churches and uh, organizations um, to how to find purpose in their pain. And so uh, God's already begun to open up some of those doors. We're excited about that. So if you're in the area where we're going to be speaking, we would love to to connect with you. We'd love for you to come. You can check out on davyblackburn.com. You can go to the speaking tab there. Actually, if you go to davyblackburn.com and nothingiswasted.com, it takes you to the same place. So, But nothingiswasted.com, hit the speaking tab. You can see where we're going to be traveling and speaking, and we'll keep that updated 
as uh, as we go along. Um, so that's just that's one of the things uh, mm-hmm. we've got. This this idea of community has been something that's been really important to us and trying to actually make this a community of people to help you guys get connected with each other. Um, babe, tell us a little bit about what, what can, what does community look like as we're, as we've been brainstorming some of this stuff? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that our hearts are really feeling heavy about with you guys is just that you guys will reach out a lot and you guys have a lot of questions and, and we're spending a lot of individual time talking to you all, but we want to connect you with people who are going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were trying to figure out different ways to do that. And um, so with that, we just want to create a network that has a forum. So that way you guys can actually reach out to each other and kind of have an online support group. Right. Um, And so if for example, if you experience loss, uh, death of a spouse, then you can have um, same people with you that um, experience death of a spouse as right. well. Um, and you guys can talk through that and, and, and see what next steps for you guys and, yeah. and how to grieve together through that. Well, sometimes if you experience a certain type of trial, certain type of valley that you're walking through, it's, it's good to relate to people who have experienced a different type of that tr- of trial because pain mm-hmm. is pain and um, there's a lot of common denominators with all of it, but it's really helpful to experience and, and have conversations with and sit down with people who have experienced the same thing. Because you feel like they understand yeah. what you're feeling. I think a lot of people reach out to me when they're going through a divorce right. or um, they reach out to me when they're struggling through things with their dad. Yeah. Um, and so those are some of the things that are topics for me that they feel like I'm credible in and the same way they, they feel heard and understood. Um, and so I think that's why this this community will actually help each other a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So this is, we're going to be, uh, f- rolling out an online community here pretty soon. And uh, so if you, you know, for instance, I, I use this, this example a lot, but we have a guy in our church who, who lost um, over the course of 11 months, lost two sons to drug overdose. And um, we want him to be able to connect with other parents who have lost teenage kids and, um, and maybe even as specific as losing teenage kids to this kind of a, a, a tragedy, mm-hmm. a drug overdose, because there's a lot of me too. And not just that, the most important aspect is um, getting him connected, getting you connected to people with a similar tragedy who want to follow Jesus in it, who don't want to wallow around in their, uh, in their grief, who don't mm-hmm. want to just get stuck in their valley, yes. but want to walk through the valley and come out on the other side with new purpose and new hope and in a future that's bright. And so we want to, we want to help connect you with that. So you'll, you'll be able to, with this community, join the community for Mm -hmm. free. This is not a cost thing. You can join the community for free, set up a profile, tag yourself with a specific type of tragedy that you, um, or, or transition, you know, or trial that you're walking through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you can immediately get connected to people all over the country who are walking through or tagged under the same kind of category. How cool is that? No, I think that's awesome. And honestly, when I think back in my past of the things that I've gone through, I wish that I would have been able to have something like this. Um, I paid a counselor thousands of dollars to talk me through a lot of this, but this is something free that you can talk to other people Mm -hmm. who might be a step behind you, who might be at the same place as you, or might be a step forward in their grieving process. And and we all know with grief that it's kind of a circular process that you can um, get kind of forward, but then you just go right back to where you started. Or um, and so I think that with this, this is just going to really help people just to to provide that support for them and that encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. And so be be following along. There's several ways you can follow along. Keep listening to the podcast. Also go and subscribe 
at DavyBlackburn.com. That is where you'll get a lot of information. We're going we're gonna to be able to tell our subscribers about this stuff first, give you guys first access to all of this stuff. It's going to be um, the best way for you to get information. So subscribe to our email list right there. Um, and another thing that we're going to be rolling out here very soon, which we're super excited, super excited about this, is coaching. Yes. So Christy and I are going to roll out some, some coaching uh, for individuals who are walking through pain. And, uh, and, and so we've got several different options. I'll talk about those in a second. But the reason we want to do this is because we want to help you. We want to help you navigate your valley. And um, I kind of liken this, babe, we're, we were both in sports. And mm-hmm. so we kind of understand what it looks like to have coaches in sports. And we also understand what it looks like to get hurt in a sport and to need a, a physical therapist. And so this kind of coaching is not counseling. We're not, we're not offering counseling. Although, you know, um, I've spent several years as a pastor doing pastoral care and counseling and understanding what that looks like and having some training in that. You've spent a lot of time as a wellness coach. Yep. Mold, yep. A few and, years in that and also even just a background in, in just health and wellness in general. Exactly. And, and then mm-hmm. also now with a PA degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd love to help with, with some of the stuff that we've learned and some of the trials that we've walked through. But we're not, we're not counselors. We want to help to refer you to really good counselors. We've yes. got a lot of great counselors that we know of that we'd love to help refer you to. The counselors do kind of the deep tissue therapy. It's like if you get majorly hurt and you can't get back on the field yet, you got to go to see the PT. You got to go get physical therapy done. You've got to get all that really deep tissue work done. But what happens when you're now, okay, you're ready to get back on the field and you're ready to kind of move forward and um, you need a coach. Mm-hmm. You need someone who's going to help to put together a blueprint for your future, who's going to be able to walk beside you in that. And that's what we want to do um, for you guys. So we're going to start offering coaching uh, here in just a very, very short little bit. It's going to be um, rolling out very soon. And so we've got several options that we're going to be offering. Uh, we're going to be doing some one-on-one coaching. Christy and I will both take that on. We'll, we'll be able to, over uh, Zoom calls, like FaceTime type calls, we'll be able to coach you one-on-one, develop plans with you and alongside of you for you to navigate your valley and, and walk in um, finding purpose in your pain. And then for this time only, it's only going to be 10 people. Only 10 spots available mm-hmm. for this. That's right. So we're, we're um, putting out a... Uh, um, the first 10 spots, and then they're, when they go, they go. They go. So we've only got 10 spots available for that. They're not open yet for registration. And then uh, we're also going to be doing a couple group coaching sessions. Yeah. So we'll have one female group where there'll be 10 spots available in that one female group. And that was, those will be group coaching with Christy and I. And then there'll be one male group. And there's only six spots available for that male group. And that's going to be with me. And, um, and it'll be the same format, Zoom calls. And then we'll have several other things throughout that where you'll have homework and you'll have, it's, it's kind of like a mentorship in some ways, but very much a coaching plan that we're helping to put Giving together. Giving you next steps and individualized exactly. next steps. Exactly, mm-hmm. based on whatever situation you're going through. So there's not a lot of spots available for that. There's 10 for the one-on-one, there's 10 for the female group, and there's six for the male group. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to encourage you to do, if you want to jump in on one of those spots, you need to go subscribe to our website, to our mailing list. And we're going to first send out to our mailing list, hey, these are open. We're not going to announce it on the podcast first. We're not going to announce it on social media first. We're going to give a week, just about a week's time frame for just the mailing list subscribers 
to be able to jump on this opportunity. And, um, and, and as soon as those spots fill up, they fill up. And it's going to be three months long coaching. Mm-hmm. So you need to be prepared for that three month long commitment. Um, 12 sessions um, plus some uh, an, an intro session. And so just kind of so you know what you would be getting into. Uh, we'll have all that information on the blog, on the website when that stuff unveils. But make sure you go and subscribe because you'll get first time mm-hmm. information if you go and subscribe to that. So we're really excited about this. Very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun interacting with you guys more and um, pastoring in a different nature. We're excited about that. So uh, stay tuned with us. Keep following along. Um, it's going to be great. We got a good interview today. I'm pumped. Yeah. We've had him before, but yeah. we had him as a couple. That's right. This is now just him by himself. Yeah. So it was, we have, we've had Andrew and Chrissy, Andrew and Christy. I should say, why did I say Chrissy? Uh, it's Christy. It's just like you. It's just exactly. spelled differently. Yeah. Andrew and Christy Ballman. We had them and they were like one of the favorite podcast episodes of everybody. Um, people raved over them. It was fantastic. And we brought, we wanted to bring Andrew back on um, because he's a counselor. And he works a lot with um, specifically men when it comes to sexual addictions. But we talk a lot about this idea of of, um, some things he talks about in his book of stumbling toward wholeness. Mm. What does it look like to become a whole person again after you've experienced a lot of pain? So it's a a really, really great interview. Um, Can't wait for you guys to hear this interview. Uh, Before we do, though, uh, we want to ask you a couple things. One... Well, we have a new Instagram. A new Instagram yes. for Nothing and Is so Wasted. So you can actually find that at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries on Instagram. Yeah. Search for that. Um, yeah, so guys, and also we would like for you to just rate and review the podcast. If this mm-hmm. is something that has impacted you, um, in order for it to get into more listeners' hands, if you go ahead and rate and review, it actually will bring it higher up on the rankings. Right. And so that way when you're scrolling through, you can see it first. Yeah. Um, I would also say and encourage you just to tell tell people about the yeah, podcast. Um, a lot of times I've had people come up to me stating, hey, I've had a friend in need. I really didn't know what to tell them, what advice to give them, so I just gave them your podcast. <laughs> and so I think that's awesome. That really helps. And I'm just very encouraged by the impact that we are having on, on our listeners. Um, the other thing we have a new website. That's right. Well, Um, we're kind of tweaking and revamping everything over the course of the next couple months. Yeah. Yeah. So we've always had davyblackburn.com, but we went ahead and started nothingiswasted.com. They actually go to the same site. And so you can put either one in. Yeah. So if you need anything, if we can help in any way, just email us at hello at nothingiswasted.com. We have had an influx of those emails recently, a lot of support Mm -hmm. from the transition, um, but also a lot of people just asking us, hey, uh, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? And man, we our heart is to help. Yes. So we love getting your emails and we want to point you in the right direction where you can get the help that that you're looking for. Um, so, so make sure you do that. Also, if you feel inclined and led to give, there's still a, a place where you can set up recurring gifts or one-time donations there at davyblackburn.com or nothingiswasted.com. Again, it all routes to the same place. And you just click that give button at the top, right? And uh, so why be, would I give, Davy? What would what would it preempt me to give to this? Well, this is um, this is a, a not for profit, a five hundred one c three ministry, and what it does is it helps us to continue the ministry really well. I mean, it helps mm-hmm. to support the podcast. It helps to support a lot of this free stuff that we put in your hands right now. And so, we want to make sure that you are um, served well. And so there there are some people who are just really passionate about this ministry, and one of the best ways you can show that is by supporting it financially. And so we would love to encourage you to do that as we're helping people to find purpose in their pain and to live, learn, and lead through their pain. So 
Um, but without further ado, and uh, we don't want to waste any more time. You see what I did oh, right there? I totally saw what because you did there. Because nothing is wasted, babe. Totally saw don't it. Don't want to waste any more time. Got it. We, we, <laughs> I think we all got that. Check out this interview that I had with Andrew Ballman. Andrew, thanks for joining me on the podcast, man. Glad to be here, Davey. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you guys back. I know it was a fantastic yeah. interview um, with you and your wife last time. We got so many people that commented about that, Thank the you. way you were able to articulate your pain. And man, now you Thank are you. you have written this book that is um, surrounding uh, uh, the concept of, well, really just wholeness. It's called Stumbling Toward Wholeness. Yes. But but it, it dives in a lot about uh, about the topic of addiction and and strongholds. Um, I would love for you because, yeah. man, honestly, um, this book just came across my desk recently, and I have not had a yes. chance to read it, which is great because I have the author of it sitting right in front of me, <laughs> and you, you can give That's me right. the Cliff Notes right. versions. And if 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 there's a listener here who has not read this, man, tell me what is the impetus behind the inspiration behind writing "Stumbling Toward Wholeness." Yeah, stumbling towards wholeness, how the love of God changes us is is basically the journey of how we heal. Uh, mm. it's, it, a lot of it is uh, autobiographical, my own story of healing, my own story of, of screwing up, um, of, <laughs> of falling on my face over and over, and, and how over time God's love has been able to penetrate my self-hatred, my addiction, um, mm. and, and, and these sins so deep in me. And, uh, so it, yeah, it's, it, I'm really proud of the book. It took about three years, a lot of heartache, a lot of suffering, a lot of blood to get that thing out. Wow. So you, by, uh, occupation, you are a therapist, correct? Yes. You work with a lot of, um, men, especially men, uh, but people yeah, in addiction. Talk yep. to me a little bit about that. Cause I'm sure that that had a lot to do with, uh, your journey in writing this book. Yeah, I mostly only only sit with men who are struggling with sexual addiction. Uh, that's kind of my my thing, and and working on sexual health. Mm. How how do men um, become whole? And and most of them are struggling with internet pornography. Um, so that was a big part of of the book, and I write about it in the book. Uh, my own 13 year addiction to pornography, um, and in in the book I talk about uh, in the framework of the story of the prodigal son. Um, and so the the first realm is the realm of the prodigal son, the runaway son, and he is in addiction. It's, it's kind of one of the one of the frameworks that I say, and and he is in the process of running away. And in my 13 year addiction to porn, I was also um, running away, running from my pain. Hmm. Um, addiction is fundamentally about escaping our pain. Wow, it's 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 always about escape, and we have to get to the core of our pain if we're going to free ourselves of addiction. Wow. Um, uh, it's really, really fantastic. I love your transparency and, and even just talking about or admitting to this 13 year addiction to pornography that mm -hmm. you had. And I think there's so much power behind our own journeys and our own experiences when they manifest themselves then and how we minister to other people and how we, how we, yeah. how you've written this book to the extent that you feel comfortable. Tell me a little bit about that. You personally, that 13 year addiction to yeah. pornography and, and yes. talk a little bit about the struggles of that and what, what ultimately broke that. Yeah. 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 So for me, my parents split up when I was about eight. 
Um, my father was a pastor and a lawyer, a powerful, powerful man, but he also had a hidden life. Um, mm. And so that hidden life began to get exposed. He got, we got black, he got blackmailed, um, and, and it all came crumbling down, which our secrets, like they always come out some way. Mm. <laughs> they, they, they always are exposed. And so that all happens when I'm eight. So my mom tries to stick around. My dad tries to get help. It eventually crumbles. And so, and yet my parents didn't want to tell us. So we, we just went on vacation and never came back. Oh, um, so, wow. so, so I have this, yeah, to North Carolina from uh, Florida. And so I have this, this fundamental like break of everything I know. Uh, all my friends, everything's just in the middle of the night. We just kind of, we, we go. Hmm. And so here I am at eight. And then as I'm growing into puberty, I'm feeling the weight of depression, loneliness. Um, I'm needing something to soothe. And yeah. my parents aren't talking about anything. We don't, I don't know what's going on. So there's this internal chaos that matches with my uh, external chaos of, of the crumbling of my family. And, and I begin to seek out ways to soothe. And so it starts with this real genuine curiosity of what is sexuality? What is beauty? And so there, there wasn't darkness to my initial search. It was really just to soothe the pain yeah. of, of this brokenness that was not addressed in my family of origin. Mm. You bring up a really good um, concept, this family of origin concept. I've recently been listening to some things that talk about this, that there's a, an element at which um, where we come from oftentimes informs and determines where we're going unless we're intentional yes. about changing that. And there's exactly. scripture talks about generational sin cycles. How, yes. uh, to what extent do you feel like um, that plays into obviously your story with, with this 13-year yeah. addiction, but also many of the other like clients that you see, there's a, a generational stronghold that, that's there. Yeah, totally. A, a lot of times they're just living into what they know, right? My clients yeah. and myself, I was living into what I knew, which was living a secret life. You know, I was a pastor as well, a youth and college pastor, and I had this hidden addiction and I was really good at my job. Mm. Um, but like slowly that begins to de deteriorate. Our masks begin to fade away. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we live into what we know. And so we really have to, we begin to take charge of like, wait, my list is not working for me. Mm. My life is falling apart. Um, I need something different. What does it mean to begin to live in truth? Because God is truth. And the more we live in truth, the more we experience God. Mm. I, wa I want to keep leading in on this because somehow, somehow through this, you know, you just disclosed you had a 13 year addiction that started early on, carried through even while you were a, a youth pastor, this hidden yeah. life. What was it for you? What were the defining things that broke this addiction? How did this, yeah. how did this, because there's probably so many people, I mean, whatever it is, alcohol, yes. drugs, even, even something like travel, you know, can become an addictive mm -hmm. thing. Anything that, like what sure. you said, uh, is trying to, is an effort to soothe pain or escape, it can become an yes. addiction. How do you how do you break those? How did you end up coming to the place of breaking that addiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people, you know, will have these mountaintop experiences and and these things of like up oh, and then God healed me this day at this time. Uh, that's a nice story, and, and I just don't think that's necessarily what's true for most mm. people. For me, I outgrew my porn addiction over time. Outgrew it. Um, Tell me more about out, that. Yeah, outgrew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's the act of like 
I'm maturing as I'm trying to get healthier, as I'm learning what it means to honor a woman, as God continues to penetrate my heart, as my my true love with my wife, Christy, begins to grow, I'm realizing that authentic love is much more what I long for than its imitation, which is naked women on a computer. Mm. Um, and, And slowly it loses its appeal. Slowly I begin to say, what do I actually want? I actually want the genuine terrifying stuff which is true, true yeah, love and healthy yeah. sexuality. And so I, I like to use the term outgrow it because it feels a much more honest and somehow I just, oh, I'm, I'm good. Don't need <laughs> porn anymore. Like, no, it, it's this slow process of like, this is what I actually, this is how I want to live my life. Wow. Do you think there's an element at which people think that they're just going to be, maybe they live under the, the illusion that they're just going to be delivered from it in a moment and that that, mm-hmm. that, delusion keeps them bound in it as well or oh totally i hear that all the time people are like well i thought when i was going to get married i thought that was going to be once i got married i wasn't going to need it anymore because then i'm actually having sex or whatever and that's just so far from (laughs) from the truth it just morphs into something different and then when you begin to engage in sexuality with your wife or or husband but like specifically with men you realize how difficult it is and and how many times the church has not prepared us for what actually a healthy sex is. It's mostly been based on shame or Mm. just, no, don't do it until you're married and then it's all great. Like, no, it takes so much work, so much effort. And we have this idea in this pornographic style of relating where we we relate to our wives like we have with pornography and it Mm. doesn't work. Man. It doesn't work. Yeah, okay, so I'm going way off script here, Andrew. Oh, not that we ever have a script. <laughs> not that we ever have a script on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. I, that's what I love about sure. it. It's like we're just we're just having a conversation and just going where it is. You but you just you just mentioned this idea of a healthy view of sexuality. And I think yes. there is a man, there is a um epidemic in the church today, especially Woo. where we do yeah. not have a healthy view on sexuality. Um particularly nope. because I mean I I grew up seeing kind of the same thing. I, don't, I feel like I had a, a a pretty pretty good conversations with my parents. I wouldn't say that there was any like, you know, f- false view of sexuality or this weird things things that I had to to sort through based on bad teaching yeah. or anything. But I watched some of my friends and watched some people I associated with deal with these notions of like, you know, sex is nasty, dirty, disgusting, and gross. Mm-hmm. Save it for the one you love. You know? Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait exactly, what? That, right. That's a very exactly. confusing message. Hold on a second. What does it look yes. like for us as Christians? What, how would you define a healthy view of sexuality? Yeah, I, I think first thing, it's not shame based, hmm. right? And, and, and if our only conversation is no, is don't, wow. rather than like the beauty of sex, rather than like the, the goodness of it, I feel like it's such a limited conversation. It feels like really elementary the hmm. way we've nuanced it in the church just feels like, well, we just don't want to deal with it. So we just say no. Yeah. Uh, rather than like having really mature conversations uh, about the beauty of sexuality and the complexity of sexuality and what is pleasure and what is delight and what is play and all these categories yeah. where, uh, and, and yet there's so much darkness. And I really feel this is where the evil one has really come to kill, steal and destroy. Mm. And why 70% of evangelical men are using pornography and 50% of evangelical pastors, mm. 50. Wow. So why aren't we talking about sex? Well, who's leading our churches? Wow. Well, most, mostly evangelical men who have their own shame, yeah. 
um, who don't want to talk about it, right? Yep. Of course, it, it makes sense. Yep. Well, that's interesting because when you are dealing with something yourself that you're ashamed of, you aren't going to talk about it because you feel exactly. like you don't have the authority. And I think there's a level at which we've got to be willing to, to, in authenticity, say, hey, me too, I'm struggling as well. Now, there's definitely lines, you know, I mean, that's maybe for another conversation, like what, what, at what point do you disqualify yourself from ministry sure. or you need to take, step to the sideline because you've got something that you're working through yourself. There is that, yes. that, that gray area that, you know, has to be defined for each denomination and congregation and, and ministry leader and stuff like that. But, sure. um, but I see that affects, for instance, the King David, his leadership ability. Mm-hmm. You know, he sinned sexually by taking Bathsheba, and then right. his his he had kids that sinned sexually that he never addressed. Yeah, he was not right. able to be a father to them in the right moments when yes. you know, for instance, one of his sons sleeps with one of his daughters or essentially mm-hmm. rapes one of his daughters, and so he's unable yes. to lead and shepherd and guide his own family because of the yeah. shame that he feels of the hidden sin yes. that he had carried himself. Exactly. That's why it's so important, especially for pastors or, or folks in, in leadership, to deal with your own stuff, mm. address your own darkness, have the humility to address your own darkness rather than kind of oozing it out on everyone else unconsciously. Wow. Why do you think it's so hard? I mean, you've been in places of leadership. Why do you think it's so hard for um, men and women with with some kind of a position of authority and influence to look internally and address their own stuff? Because we have to give up power. Uh-huh. Humility, humility hurts. Humility is painful, yeah. right? And for me, to, for me to surrender power is to say, like, I, I can let you in. Like, you can hurt me. Um, I'm, 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 um, I am in a sense weak um, in that moment, and you, you have the ability to hurt me, which is vulnerability, which is beauty, which is intimacy. But if I guard you, if I can hide behind my pulpit or I can hide behind my positions of power. I, I'm going to, nobody can hurt me. I'm okay. And not only that, I can really feel good about myself mm. because I feel so, I feel so powerful. Wow. Um, out of curiosity, you know, maybe there's a parent that's listening to this and there, you know, you mentioned something about how there were some conversations that you feel like in retrospect, your parents should have had with you. They weren't really talking yeah. about some of the things, you know, as mm. a parent yourself, how would you advise other parents to have yeah. these conversations with their kids, you know, yeah, I guess you've a, got a perspective a great, of parent and therapist, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, I, I do address it in my, in my book called the psychology of porn. There's an essay there called sex 101, mm-hmm. uh, talk, uh, addressing sex for parents and church leaders. And so that's the essay. Um, and, and so what I, what I talk about and what I often talk about is what does it mean not to have one birds and the bees talk? Hmm. Right. But having a thousand talks all the time and where sexuality is not taboo. Right. Pornography yeah. is not. Taboo. You're, you're just open. But but here's the thing. You have to deal with your own issues with sexuality first. Yeah. So just what we just talked about with ministry leaders, the same as with parents. If we don't deal with our own shame and our own stories of sexual abuse, our own stories of harm, how we're not going to want to talk about it. But but to talk about it with your kids is to make it and very normal. Yeah. Right. So so my son. Hopefully he never hears this when in 15, 15 or 20 years. Uh, so my son, he's two years old at the time, and he's he loves to touch his penis. So he's, you know, which is it's great, great fun. So he is he he is in in the grocery store, and he's just kind of going to town, you know. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, right? I'm, so I'm a bit embarrassed because I'm kind of looking around. I'm like, how do I engage this? I don't want to shame him. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to bring that on to him. I know what that's like. So I thought pretty quick and I was like, son, um, do you see anyone else in the grocery store touching their penis? <laughs> and, and, and he looks, he looks around, he looks around and he's like, no, no daddy. And then I'm like, okay, well that's something we do, you know, by ourselves, you know, at home, you, you know, just right. basically not shaming him right. for being curious about his body. Yeah. Um, but, but also saying like, no, that's like, yeah, I, like I believe pleasure and like that is part of God's design, but, <laughs> but shame, shame is not. Yeah. I think it's so interesting, you know, in the church, again, this conversation around sexuality, it's so, it, it's so shrouded with, with shame. And mm-hmm. it's interesting to me because it's almost as if we are coming from the place that God stumbled upon Adam and Eve in the garden and was like, mm-hmm. whoa, hold on a second. Get it. What are you doing? Get a room, you know? Right. Like, yeah, that's right, not right, right. that's not what happened. In fact, I kind of imagine, mm-hmm. you know, God whispering, you know, Adam being like, "What am I supposed to do with her?" You know, and and God whispering in his <laughs> ear, like, "Let me tell you what I've designed this to look yeah. like." And he's like, "What?" You know, deer to headlights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's there is an element at which that um, we have to understand God designed sex. Yes. You know, he, de- he designed yes. sex and, and when we consult the inventor of it, then yes. it's going to be carried out in the exact purposes and ways that he intended it to. It's going to bring the yes. most wholeness and fulfillment to yes. us. And, yes. and I think that's what we're missing a lot when it comes to the church and, and then yep. not being willing to step into those conversations. Yes, um, Exactly. And so, you know, I, I feel like that, um, that it, it's, it's a problem in the church, but it's also a problem in our family units as well. Um, yes, definitely. How would you, you know, in the book, you guys, you, you, you talk about this idea of stumbling toward wholeness. So, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I want to I ask you the question, what steps do you walk through? Or do you walk through any steps toward wholeness, knowing that, it's mm-hmm. this idea of stumbling that maybe it's not steps, but what, what do you give sure. in the book as far as the process for how to get mm-hmm. from point A of brokenness to yes. point Z of wholeness? Yeah. Um, so I, I touched on it briefly at the beginning, but basically the framework of the book takes the characters of Luke 15, the story of the prodigal, and it puts them in certain realms. So the sun realm we have to deal with our addiction, our shame, our self-hatred, and the elder brother realm. Right. We have to deal with our entitlement. We mm. have to deal with our with our judgment. And, and all these characters are within ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then we have to deal with our other centered contempt, which is basically, you know, judging everybody, hating everybody else, trying to get it outside of ourselves. But the goal is to be like the father because mm. the, the, the father demonstrates so many traits that we need to integrate with ourselves. So we need to befriend a grief. Extend mm. kindness to ourselves. Surrender control. These are these are uh, attributes of the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 is the goal to, towards wholeness. Is integrate the Father's voice within us. Mm. So, um, w- tell me tell me more about that. What does that look like practically? You know, if you're walking a client through, hey, here's yeah. here's how you need to recognize these other characters that are in you. And this yeah, is what yeah. you need to adopt. What does that look like practically so, to adopt the mindset of the father? 
so so let's just talk about kindness mm-hmm. for for instance so so part of my you know the son the younger uh, runaway son the the younger son realm was my addiction to pornography right okay. well the elder brother realm represents my judgment towards myself I never even talked about my porn use for years, even as I was a practicing therapist. Um, I had too much shame until I was leading an addiction workshop and someone asked a question about, you know, how did I get into this or something? And I said, oh, my 13 year addiction to porn. And then I freaked out (laughs) because I I couldn't believe I said it out loud. It was kind of on accident. And, And then I realized I looked in their faces and they were kind loving, Hmm. tender. They wanted to hear more. They were leaning forward. Their eyes were soft. And it was my own contempt that was holding me back from speaking my truth. And until I was able to uh, begin to have kindness towards my brokenness, Hmm. was I able to really step into my calling of leading men into sexual wholeness? Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, and so kindness, kindness is vital towards offering ourselves uh, the the freedom that I think God has for us. Man, that's really good. I think it's you know true. Scripture talks about how it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Yes, yes. And you know, I think it's very easy for us to adopt, um, and and wrap our hearts around the idea that God forgives us, but to to forgive ourselves. That's yes, a whole and know concept. that God. Yeah. And God is in us, right? It's not this selfish, you know, pop psychology. It's no, God is, God is at home in us. Right. So that is a part of God's forgiveness is when we begin to forgive ourselves and embody God's voice in us. Mm. So if I'm a client, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, Hey, um, I I admit to you, Hey, I'm struggling with an addiction to pornography. Where do you start? Mm -hmm. Where do you start with your clients? We we normally go into the story, right? Okay. So porn porn is that. not on porn is not on accident, mm. right? Just like I shared a bit of my story and, and what led me there. So we have to go into their go into their story and figure out the why. There's always pain behind porn. Mm. Um, so you know we can go into their dark sexual fantasies. We, maybe not the first session. We maybe slow up, start a little bit. But <laughs> but we, we you know we go into what type of porn they're looking at, right? What type mm. of porn? Because the type of porn is a map to to their woundedness. It, it's fascinating. It's fascinating because we're all trying to work out deep, deep wounds inside ourselves. Yeah. Do you find it that people are um, apt and ready to disclose this stuff to you? Or do you feel like there is a hesitation like crazy to, I mean, that seems like it such depends. a, whew, well, yeah. they're paying me a lot. They're paying me a lot of money. That's true. To That's talk, true. To talk to me. <laughs> so, it, 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 and normally the ones that don't, they're like, you know, I don't have time. I've got, I've got a lot of people that want, you know, right. it's like, no, like, I don't need to take your money. You don't need to waste my time. I don't need to waste yours. Right. See you later. Like, it's like, if you're not ready, you're not ready to go there. But a lot of times the people that come see me are the ones who have, you know, their marriages are on the rocks. Mm. Um, they're, they're kind of, they don't know how to do relationship. Um, you know, it's more desperation. And so a lot of times those people are really hungry for a different, uh, engagement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, you know, we have a, a lot of this listenership that are, that are women and maybe even yeah. women who are married, who have either caught their husband in a porn addiction or their husbands confessed yes. to a porn addiction. Let's talk about that dynamic a little bit. If, you know, I think yeah. there is a, there is a, um, a shift in culture, which is unnerving that there are mm. many women who are accepting that 
pornography addictions and sexual addictions um, within men and within their husbands are normal. They're just writing it off as yes. normal and almost just excusing it. How would oh, you? Yes. How would you advise a couple and um, particularly a woman who maybe has found themselves yeah. in that mindset? Yeah, I see it so so sad, right? I mean, it's just so sad. Um, that that many women have just kind of resigned themselves to say all all men do that, and I feel like that's uh, a real excuse. Um, but yet, many men mo- many men do. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, it's over seventy seventy percent. Um, but I, I would say for for women, there's a few things that that I think are helpful. One, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that your it's not that your body is um, messed up. Or that you're not beautiful enough, or that like it's not your fault. Um, mm. It's your husband's sin. Mm-hmm. It's your husband's lack of integrity. Um, it's your it's your husband's brain damage. Like mm. <laughs> he's most likely been addicted since he was a teenager. Um, it, don't take it on yourself. Um, also, if, if there's something else, if you feel betrayed, you feel like something's up. Like trust your gut. Mm. Trust your gut. If there's something weird, if there's something, if he's not looking you in the like. Be honest what your fears are. Be honest what's going on. A lot of times I see women not wanting to know the truth because mm. it's going to affect. So they end up hiding and betraying their own gut, betraying their own their own selves. Wow. Um, so th- those are a few those are a few things that I feel like are are pretty important, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you? How would you advise? Um, a woman to help their husband in that, you know, let's say they've got yeah. to this place where like, okay, you know what? I, I, I see that he is doing this or I've, you know, yes. we've come to those terms and, it, and it's not, I don't, it's not okay. Yeah. Totally. How would you help? How would you advise them to um, help? So, so they gotta, they have to have uh, strong boundaries. Okay. Right? So Tell a me about big that. part of it, it, a big part of it is just like enabling, right. Which is kind of what we were talking about. Mm. But, but to say like, this is not okay. This is a betrayal. Um, like you are cheating on me. Like this is yeah. a betrayal of of your commitment to me, and and you need help. And and I'm willing to again. I'm not going to do the work for you, but I can look up, do some research for some names. You know, I can mm-hmm. I can give you some good books. Um, you know, I can like I can do some stuff for you. But it's up to the man. Does he want to change? Does he want to save the marriage? Does he want to have integrity? Hmm. Um, I would say to, to put it back on the husband and don't take it on um, as it's not yours to bear. And yet I do believe you need uh, the, the women do need to grieve the loss because there's a great loss. There's a great betrayal and they mm-hmm. got to feel it. They do yeah. have to feel the weight of that loss. Yeah. And, and, and let me just say one more thing. I think also there, there's a real link to self-hatred. As well. Okay, so, tell me about so, that a little bit. You've mentioned that a well, few times. So this idea of yeah, self hatred. I would say some of the women that maybe are are dealing with this, um, they they may have had a war with their own body. They may have had a war with their own like, again, maybe I deserve this, or maybe it's because I'm not enough. Okay. And so I would say their their work moving forward towards healing and wholeness is to engage their self hatred and engage that self contempt where they have um, harmed themselves. Uh, where it's just not true. Yeah. So they're buying into some lies. Uh, they, the, the, the women, for instance, they're buying into some lies that are not true and they need to replace that with truth. Um, yes. And, and because it's not, it's not their fault. 
necessarily yes. is what you're saying. Now you said, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned that self-hatred component when it comes to the, to the woman or the wife. You also mentioned the self-hatred component in terms of how it has contributed to the addiction. Um, oh yeah. What does that Both. look like? Tell me more about that. Yeah. That intersection, it just plays out differently. Right. I mean, but, but it's coming from the same place. Um, cause I would say many times the women, uh, the self-hatred, it just plays out differently. Their addictions are differently. Uh, their addictions are maybe different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really just depends, but we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to numb, we're all trying to escape it. And so I, I do feel like it's a similar journey, but with different, different attributes that it comes out. Gotcha. Okay. So what I've heard you say, you know, if I'm, if I'm a client, I'm coming to you. First of all, you're identifying with somebody and saying, okay, do you want this? Like, do you want this? Do you want to go to these deep places? Because it's going to take rooting out some things rather than just dealing with the symptoms. So you've got to yes. identify first, does this person want to change? Which is so true, yes. obviously, right? You've got to, yes. you can't help somebody that is not is not willing to exactly. go to that place. Then what you said is that right. you really try to get them to dive into what's the... Uh, what's the start of this? The story. Where did this begin? Yeah. And what were the what were the things that be that began to um, yeah permeate your yeah. And so, uh, your mind? Yeah, exactly. So a couple a couple things. Um, you know, I have everybody go through my book, The Psychology of Porn, and then we have them. I have them write their sexuality timeline. So it's basically from okay. you know every scene of sexuality of their development, and so they do that, and then this the second. Uh, assignment that they do is they pick one of those stories and they do a real deep dive into that story. Um, and, and, and it's a story that has shaped them, that has formed them in their sexuality. And, um, you know, it, it's not just a, a 30,000 foot flyover of the story. It's a landing the plane on the ground in the dirt. Mm-hmm. What were the smells? What were the sights? What did it feel like? And, and so we're diving into deep stories of sexual abuse, of shame, um, and we're really getting in there. Uh, and then a lot of times we'll do some psychodrama where we actually, where I walk them into the story mm-hmm. um, and they, you know, they, they become that little boy or they become, um, and so we really are going in there and feeling the story again and really entering in there. So there's, there's a lot of heartache, a lot of tears, a lot of right. screaming, a lot of beautiful hard emotions. Right, right. So this is, you're asking men to step into a realm that they're not used to stepping into and that's communicating their feelings. Yes. <laughs> and that, right. And that's there imperative when it comes to this healing, right? Am I correct? And imperative to intimacy. Mm. Right? It's like yep. you want intimacy? You want to be known? You want to know someone? You know, like, is your wife completely lonely? Huh, I wonder why. Um, mm. Like, yes, this is vital. This is vital stuff to healthy marriages, to healthy lives, to being a good father, uh, you know, a good partner. Yeah, right. So um, once you're doing these deep dives and, I mean, you're getting on the ground with, the, what are you looking for when you're, when you're there? You're in a, in a, in a session mm. where you're doing the, um, like what you, what you said, what psychotherapy and you're having them kind of replay. You're, you're the little boy in the m- moment of that trauma and you're having them replay that. Yeah. What kinds of things are you looking for, tr- you know, triggers or, or uh, defining pillars for them to be able to help move yeah. them into, into the space of freedom? Um, so, yeah, a lot of times they, you know, are they feeling it? Will they go there? Um, are, are, they, are they entering into that place? Because it's so surprising how if you can actually f- go there, how quickly, even though if something happened 30 years ago, mm-hmm. how quickly 
you can remember. So I was working with one woman around her stories of sexual abuse probably 25 years earlier. And so we're stepping into her story, uh, a, a horrific story of date rape. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're beginning to, to talk through some things. And, and I'm, you know, we're closing our eyes and I'm kind of talking through, kind of feel, you know, feel your body. What is your body telling you? And all of a sudden she says, my right calf is, is hurting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is this is weird. Like, uh, does she really, does she get what we're trying to do here? We're trying to connect to her body. And then I was like, well, okay, let's just lean into that. And so we, we started leaning into her right calf and talking about her right calf. And then all of a sudden she stops and she says, that's where he grabbed me. Hmm. Three years later, her wow. body still remembered the initial grab where he grabbed her, her calf, her leg. Hmm. Our bodies remember. Our bodies tell the truth. Yeah. Our job is to get back in touch with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Our bodies is where God lives. Like, like we got to get back in touch with our bodies. And so, part of that is that stillness and the silence and the, you know, the meditative prayerful state where we can feel what our body's been trying to tell us all along. Mm. So, in this process, it sounds like what you're doing is you're like deconstructing a lot of the sexual history of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So how then, yeah. I'm assuming you have to kind of reconstruct it after that. What does that yeah, look so like? Yeah, so we find, well, one, we name the messages, right? What are the messages given to you? Okay. And then out of those messages, we make vows, mm, right? Tell we me make about that. vows. Um, you know, so uh, let me think of a, of a good example of that. Um, you know, whatever your, let's say your parents gave you a message around sexuality. Sex mm-hmm. is bad. Sex is shameful. So then you make this vow. Um, okay, I will never, whatever. I will never um, look at pornography. I will never have sex. I will never do any. And then it's like, and then at some point you you end up using pornography or whatever. Uh-huh. And then you end up hate you end up hating yourself because you made this vow and you, you, I'm not explaining. I don't think I'm explaining it. Yeah, very yeah, well. yeah. No, I, I, I'm feeling you where you're going with this, and I think yeah. it's because I had a conversation with well, a mutual friend of ours who was explaining the same thing. So, so go down uh-huh. this road because this is good. This cycle that you, yeah. that, and I think he may have heard it from you. So, this vow cycle, so we, <laughs> judgment so on yourself, self hatred, that thing. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. It's this terrible cycle. So we have to name our vows that the vows that we made. Yeah. Uh, I will never trust anyone again because. My third grade girlfriend broke up with me, right? I'll never, whatever. We, we have to name these vows and then we have to say, okay, what is the new vow I'm going to make? The new vow I'm going to make is, no, I'm going to trust women again. Mm. I'm going to open myself up again to, to, to a partner. And it's crazy how you know years can go by and how we can still live through the same childhood vows that protected us back then but now they no longer serve us now they actually harm us and keep us from relationship yeah yeah that's really good so it's this cycle of something happens traumatic experience x doesn't whatever the the varying yes. degree of that is yes. out of that traumatic experience you're making a vow saying yes i'm not going to trust anybody because of yep. this, or I'm not going to, or this, or I'll never do this because my parents did this. And then you exactly. end up it's doing all unconscious. It. It's all, it's all, yeah, unconscious. it's all unconscious. Yep. Then you end up right. doing something that reminds you of the thing you said you would never do. Right. Mm. Or you end up pl- yep. carrying out something that. Exactly. That, or you realize like, why, why can't I ever have a real relationship? Right. Why can't I ever, because you realize like, oh, I, wow, I'm still living out of this vow when I was yeah, a teenager. Yeah, I gotcha. Gotcha. And so then it leads to self-hatred because yep. you're finding yourself with a lack and of intimacy or a lack of 
trust yes. or paranoid about it or whatever. And then, yeah, I mean, it can lead to lots of different things, right? But yeah, yeah. that's one of you realize it's blocking you. And so part of the the deconstruction work is naming those messages, naming those vows, and then what what now do you want to live? How do you mm. want to live now? Um, and then learning to bless that little vow, that that vow when you were a little kid that it actually helped you survive. Wow. Wow. It actually helped. Yeah, it helped make it, make it through. You were able to make it through because of that, but yeah. you don't need it anymore. That's the challenge is many, many of these vows are survival tactics, survival instincts. They exactly. did help you walk through that season, but they're actually going to be the thing that undoes you or ruins you yes. later. Exactly. And so it's trying to identify those things. I love this concept, Andrew, because I think of it oftentimes in terms of like naming whatever whatever emotion that you're that you have or whatever once you yes. put a label to something then you have uh, created dominion back over that you've taken it captive but oftentimes yeah. things they overwhelm us and have dominion over us because we don't know what to call it and so we yeah, think right. it's just pervasive. We think that's just who we are. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're going right. through. That's what you believed. That's the lie you bought into. That emotion is what you're feeling, but it's not who you are. You know, and yes. um, I think we've said this before on the podcast before. I, I wrote it in, in, um, in an ebook that I wrote that's called Thriving in Trial. It talks about when God gave Adam dominion over the earth, he tasked him with naming the animals. Yes. Naming yeah. is a symbol of dominion. And then mm -hmm. later on in scripture, it talks about how we're to take every thought captive and make it a slave mm -hmm. to Christ. And the thoughts yeah. that come our way, the circumstances and experience, experiences that come our way, if we don't name them, if we don't name that vow, it's going to continue to have dominion over us. But the way yes. by the power of the cross and the resurrection that we regain dominion over that, take captive it and make it a slave to Christ is by naming it. Yeah, well said. Mm. Wow. So, okay. Yes. Um, you've got, um, you've walked through some of these steps. What, what else in this idea of stumbling mm -hmm. toward wholeness in this book, mm -hmm. what are some things that you really want the readers to come out with? Yeah, I, I think one of the, the maybe last quote categories is in, in the father realm, the idea of befriending grief, um, which if you heard the last mm. podcast or read, read my book, or we have a film out now called A Brave Lament about the loss of my son. Yeah. And, and this category of befriending grief, and you look at the story uh, in Luke 15, and how can you uh, equate grief to this story? And if you look at the story of the prodigal son, when uh, the, the elder brother confronts the father, He's, the father says, "This the son of mine was dead, mm. and now and that like now he's alive. Like I have to celebrate him." Yeah. And so the idea that he thought he was dead, he had a funeral. Mm -hmm. Like he he grieved, he grieved. He's you know w was waiting for him. He, he was grieving him. And and what I argue in the book is because he grieved much, he can celebrate much. Mm. And so our, our, what makes us beginning to, to be whole and healthy is when we can enter into the depths of grief wow. um, so we can enter into the, to the joys of resurrection and hope. Wow. Yeah, so there's an, the, you're going to have to, if you know, you're in a situation where you've been overcome by an addiction, you're going to have to grieve whatever that thing is that led you into that addiction, whatever that, that yes. pain Whatever that pain exactly. was. So if you if if it's true that all porn addictions are a result of pain or somehow, mm -hmm. you have to grieve that pain is what you're saying. 
if you're going yeah, to become yeah, free of the addiction. Exactly. Exactly. And you can't grieve if you have self-hatred and self-contempt. Wow. How are you going to grieve something that you hate? We only grieve to the level in which we love. Hmm. So, uh, so you're saying that you, you're going to have to embrace, maybe not love the thing that, maybe not love the pain, but at least embrace it mm-hmm. as if yeah. it is a... It, it, and in my book, in my uh, book, The Psychology of Porn, my first essay is called Blessing Pornography, which is like people are like, get all, get all huff, <laughs> you know, but it's like, obviously, I'm obviously not talking about blessing the evils of pornography, but I'm talking about blessing the story behind pornography. Um, you know, mm. for me, I got to bless that at that moment, pornography was the closest thing to heaven that I could taste. It was beauty. It was, it was, it, it helped me survive mm. uh, the desolation of my family. Mm. Uh, and so I've got to I've got to learn to bless that even and rather than hate it for what I've done and for how I've harmed and objectified women, mm. um, I have to learn to bless uh, what was behind that story. Yeah, yeah, and recognize that that little tiny bit of pleasure that you found, you know, even though it was a sinful pleasure, that it's a it's a um, perversion of the real intimacy and pleasure that God wants you to experience in him and in the way that he designed sex to be. And so, you know, it's like kind of that idea of like, even in this world, even the greatest things are dimly, we see dimly the full pleasures of God. And that until we recognize that our pleasure fully, it has to be manifested itself in him. It has to be found in him. Are we, until we, until we realize that we're not going to find wholeness. Um, Yeah. Man, that's yeah. good. That's good. Is there anything else that you'd love to share with us before we before we wind down? I love this. This is such yeah. a great conversation. Yeah, man, this is is good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you guys to check out the book. You can get it on Amazon, um, and you can find stuff on my website, andrewjbauman.com. Check that's it great. all out. And again, the book is called "Stumbling yeah. Toward Wholeness: How yes. the Love of God Changes Us." Um, that's so yes. good. And then you just, you referenced to a, um, a short film or, or, or a film that. Yeah. Yeah. We have a documentary film out called a brave lament. Yeah. Uh, and you can watch that on Amazon prime, uh, for free, or you can buy it online as well. Um, and yeah, we're doing some tours. We're doing a few shows doing in Colorado and have one coming up in Texas and, uh, where we're doing those, uh, showing the film and doing a Q and a. And so, yeah, Man, check that awesome. out as well. Awesome. Well, man, thank you for, for being willing to jump on this with me. Thank you for all the work that you're doing to help men and women alike find wholeness. Um, and man, we're just praying for you guys as you continue to do that. Cause it's definitely a big, big need in, uh, in our yes. world today. So thanks for the, well, the battle. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it, man. Awesome. Wow, that was good. That That's was good so good. Yeah, I love, he just offers this really great perspective. He does a lot of that deep tissue work we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to your soul, when it comes to your emotional well-being. And, uh, especially I feel like he was counseling me in a way. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the book, Stumbling Toward Wholeness, it's out, it's available. It is fantastic. Um, so you make sure that you go to our, our page for that. Where, where can they find that? Yeah, so it's at davyblackburn.com slash podcast, and it's episode 44. Perfect. And so, yeah, any resources that he talked about in this podcast, they'll be there with the link. The book will be there as well. Yeah, we make it really easy for you to, to just click the link and purchase the book right there so you don't have to navigate around and try to find that. 
Um, and if you need to reach out to us in regards to Andrew Bauman, if you're wanting to get in touch with him, maybe um, in the course of this interview with him, you're like, hey, I would love to maybe have Andrew do some stuff with 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 us or for, with you know your husband and maybe some marriage counseling stuff. Yeah, just write us at hello at nothingiswasted.com and Perfect. then we can just go ahead and, and get that to him. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Before we sign off, we want to thank Sleeping At Last for providing all the music. You can download his music where music can be downloaded and streamed. And before we sign off, make sure you listen to this little clip from the next episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We love you. See you. See you guys. In the book, I said the social media error has made a comparison almost like unlimited for this generation. Mm and that the millennial generation understands comparison in ways that I would dare to say Xers and especially boomers can't even fathom because like the whole concept of keeping up with the Jones mm. uh, was kind of limited in a sense. Like you, uh, I joke, we're in, I'm in Dallas, so the Jones is like, there really is a Jones there really to is a keep Jones. up with. Like Jerry Jones <laughs> is like, this dude flies into like, when he goes somewhere, he like takes a helicopter to that part of town. And That's so great. there is a Jones to keep up with. And like when you, Think about it, though. It's like keeping up with the Jones, let's say in the 50s. You look down the street, you see like Mary and George. Yeah. They they got a better car than you. They got a better house than you. Their grass is better than you. Maybe their dog's better than your dog. Like whatever it is. And maybe, maybe they might invite you into their home and you can see their, their house is more decorated than yours. Their kids are more uh, obedient than yours or just polite. Um, you might see, uh, yeah, they got better furniture, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. But you probably wouldn't go into their workplace and get to see, oh, they got a corner office and mm-hmm. they got uh, the, a, a jet or they got this kind of family. And Thanksgiving looks like this. And uh, basically, I think through social media, I mean, we can get on there and we can see every single snapshot yeah. of a person's day um, that just wasn't even accessible at that time. And so I think it's really made uh, comparison unlimited. They say that our generation um, is struggling with OCD more than any other generation before. Hmm. And what I mean by that is not uh, washing your hands a lot. Yeah, I right. mean, obs- obsessive comparison disorder. <laughs>